Hare Krishna. Welcome to um, to the spiritual world. Krishna, it is said, when he comes to this world, he doesn't just uh, he just doesn't come by himself. But Krishna brings the entire spiritual world with him. All of us, when we travel, we always try to bring some extra luggage. Krishna doesn't have any luggage restrictions. He brings everything. He brings the entire spiritual world. So wherever Krishna is, the spiritual world is manifest. Therefore, when we enter into a temple, it's not an ordinary place. And we can sense that. The temple indeed is, is fully potent because it is the abode of the Lord. And therefore, uh, uh, we are very fortunate to, uh, to just be able to, to be here, to have such a place even, that such a place exists. Uh, the whole street is blessed. The whole city of New York is blessed. The whole country of America is blessed. So many times we hear this, God bless America. Well, it's happening right here. God is blessing America, indeed, because He is present right now, here, amongst us. And so, we are fortunate. Um, Sobhagya, it is said in Sanskrit. And by the association of the Supreme Lord, everything becomes Sobhagya. Even if we carry with us a little picture, a little picture of Radha Govinda, then that also counts because the deity is also present in the picture form. One can simply draw a picture of the deity and the Lord will be manifest in there as well. So in this way, in your house, there should definitely be a picture of Sisi Radha Govinda. And if there is not yet, then that would be nice. But more, there is more. Um, because it is said that in the worship of the deity, um, although the Lord appears in this world and brings along with him the entire spiritual realm, we, who are we? to step into the spiritual world. I mean, uh, speaking about luggage and hand luggage, we bring our hand luggage with us and what is there? What are we bringing with us when we are entering into the temple? Uh, who are we really when we stand in front of the Lord? When we get honest for a moment and a little bit reflective and we think of who we really are then we realize that we don't really belong here. We don't really qualify. We don't really, we're not really eligible to be in the direct entourage of the Supreme Lord, us. Uh, so the mercy element is, is a big factor. Therefore, there is the spiritual master. Uh, opposite of the deities, there is 
Srila Prabhupada seated there, very central, um, with direct darshan of the, uh, of the deities. Prabhupada came to New York. Prabhupada prayed to Krishna. Prabhupada prayed for the people who were there at the time that they might receive transcendental knowledge. Prabhupada landed here in New York with the ship from the Sindhya steam line named Jaladuta all the way from India over the Atlantic. And he looked at New York and he prayed. At that time he prayed and he said, what will I be able to tell these people? They are, everything I'm going to tell them is exactly uh, against what they're doing. Everything they do is, is, is against transcendental principles. What they eat, what they drink, what they smoke, what they, anything. In this way, Prabhupada wondered, what can I say to convince these people? And then he said, I don't see that I could think of any words that can convince them. I think only your words can convince them. And then he started to quote Srimad Bhagavatam, Srinivata Svakata Krishna Punya Sravana Kirtanam Ridhyanta Stohi Abhidrani Vidunati Surit Satam. He started to quote verses from Srimad Bhagavatam. At that time, that one verse, Vidunati Surit Satam is interesting because it says that by transcendental sound vibration, everything that is inauspicious in the heart will be destroyed. Yeah. And Vidunati Surit Satam, it's like something I mentioned a little while ago, but I want to share with you because I think it's really nice. Um, in India, it used to be now, of course, India has also changed, but it used to be that everyone was using, for the winter, in the colder parts of India, they used to use quilts which were stuffed with cotton. And then the cotton, it, uh, it becomes pressed over time. And when it's, uh, when it's all pressed together, it loses its, uh, its heating. Uh, it's heating uh, power. So once a year, one man comes through the street and he plays, he has a bow, a big bow with a string and a deep sound. And he walks through the streets and it's very loud. And it makes a noise like something like very loud. And he walks through the street like that. And everybody knows. They come outside, bring their quilts. Then with the string, as he's playing, he opens up the quilts, he plays, and the sound fluffs up the cotton. And then it's fresh again and ready for another winter. Yeah, actually, really nice. So what happens is this. In our heart, it is said, Aparapta falam papam kutam bijum falam mukam kramaneva praliyata vishnu bhakti ratatmanam that in the heart, there are many karmic reactions. 
and one is piled on top of another. And it's serious, what is there? I mean, and it's been compressed for a long time, and it's just caked there. There is lots of dirt caked there in the heart. We know it. And because of that, we have all these material desires. Because of that, there is lust, there is greed. Lust means that you see another person and you just see that person, you don't care about the person. You're just ready to exploit the body of that person without caring at all about who, who is in that body. And lust means Admendri Priti Vancha, for my senses, whatever satisfies my senses, not caring about anybody else. Greed. Uh, greed. What shall we say about greed? It is greed that destroys the world. Uh, Srila Prabhupada used to say that overpopulation uh, the, is, is a hoax. He says there is not really overpopulation. He said the world can sustain many, many more people than there are on the planet right now, but it is our lifestyle that is the problem. The lifestyle that we have of consuming. If we would live a more simple life, more natural life, then the earth could sustain. But yeah. Uh, the modern lifestyle is burdening the earth. Mm. So greed, that's really greed. Uh, greed. Looking for more material satisfaction and always more and more and more. And, and not seeing that real satisfaction is not found outside of us. Real Satisfaction is found within, in the relationship with the Supreme Lord. Nowhere else will it be found. Uh, no matter where we go, no matter what we have, no, no matter who we are with, if Krishna is not part of it, we will not be satisfied. Um, only when Krishna becomes the goal of our life can we be actually satisfied. Hmm. Anger, born out of frustration. Born, the desire for happiness is so great and we're just not getting it. Then anger. Then anger is born. Uh, and so lust, greed, anger, envy, all these qualities are deeply in our hearts. It is said so many, and due to that, we engage in many sinful activities and that creates more reactions in the heart. So, back to the vidunoti, to that bow that was used to fluff up the cotton quilts. That bow, it is the sound that loosens up the cotton. In the same way, it is transcendental sound that will purify the heart from all these, all this darkness which is stored there. And in this way, it is through transcendental sound. 
not material sound, <laughs> transcendental sound. Uh, Hare Krishna. You have to teach him Mahamantra. Yes. So by chanting the Mahamantra, uh, everything will happen. We remember how here in New York, Srila Prabhupada sat under a tree in Tompkins Square Park. And from that chanting in Tompkins Square Park, on the Lower East Side, from that chanting, the Holy Name spread everywhere and anywhere. And from that, temples emerged. And from that, all over the world, people were taking up Krishna consciousness. And, and it is due to all that, that, that we are here today. It simply all came from chanting. Because it is the chanting that actually changes, the chanting of the Holy Name, the transcendental sound, that actually changes the heart of the living beings. It changes our faith, you see. Because faith, faith, our faith goes where we think happiness can be found. If I think it's in money, then my faith will be in money, money, money. If I think it's in, in, uh, in the place where I am, then I'll be very conscious that I'm like where I am, in the right place, this, that. Yeah. But real happiness um, is not found in anything temporary because it is not our nature to be temporary. The soul is eternal. Go ahead. I'm going to make a rule. Any phone that rings will have to be donated to the Swami. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold you to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm watching him. It's like, no, but. So if you, any phone that rings now, I better turn off my own phone. <laughs> it's off. Okay. Put it on silent at least, you know. I just put it on silent, otherwise I will confiscate it and, and, and you will cry. Uh, uh, so, because sound is very powerful. When there's mundane sound, it, it immediately distracts. Uh, but in the same way, sound is very potent. We are all living beings who are now, we are eternal spiritual beings, eternal spirit souls. A spark of the energy of the Supreme Lord, Jivatma. At the time, of conception, when man and woman unite, it is not only a matter of chemical interaction between men and, and, and women. Uh, no. At that point, the soul also enters into the mix. And a living being at that stage enters into the body, and there is life. 
there is life within the womb and gradually uh, a body begins to grow and okay nine months and the, at the end of nine months the child is born now and uh, and here we are in our vehicles right? all having different vehicles but the bodies are yantras Bhagavad Gita says the body are yantras they are machines so it's just a machine and it is like that you know you go into a hospital and it's like putting your car into the garage you know and they treat it like that also they put screws in it they do all kinds of things with it like it feels like uh, like you're being treated like a car when you go into a hospital um, it's it's brutal anyway it's a machine it's a yantra and in that machine is the eternal spirit soul now that same eternal spirit soul uh, is is not able to find any satisfaction in relation to, to matter. But somehow or other, we have become captured by it. Seventh chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Bhumirapo Nalo Vayu Kamana Budriva Chahankram Ityame Bina Prakiti Astada. It describes the material element earth, water, fire, air, ether and the subtle ones, mind, intelligence, and false ego. And it says there is a superior energy of mind, superior to that material energy. That is the living being who is within that material energy. And what is the living being doing? He's trying to manipulate the material energy to squeeze out some enjoyment. And that doesn't work. Have you tried? I've also tried. It doesn't work. Only for a while. And then again, again, emptiness of heart. Again, not satisfied. In this way, uh, real happiness cannot be found in matter because matter is temporary. And the soul is eternal and meant for eternal relationships. Therefore, the soul belongs in the eternal relationship with the Supreme Lord. But this we forgot. We forgot. So, this temple, this entire program is for that purpose, to remember our original relationship with the Supreme Lord, that that is where we really find our happiness. Yes, once that conviction is there, uh, then we are on course for finding inner peace. Uh, just look for a moment at the world history and we see that the world has produced its sages. Right? Every tradition has produced sages. And all these sages, they have one quality in common. And that is, their happiness is not dependent 
on the external environment, on what they have, on what, they, what, they, uh, are, what is happening to them. Their happiness is within, in the relationship with the Supreme Lord. That is where they're finding their happiness. That is really the goal of life, the true goal of life. Oh. There may be all kinds of temporary goals. Uh, I want to be in America, like that. Uh, all these kind of goals are temporary goals. These are not goals that really uh, are bringing great happiness. Um, happiness is, is found in the relationship with the Supreme Lord. Mm. Yeah, and then Krishna, Krishna. And then you go to the spiritual marketplace and you go, look, what's out there? And there's a lot out there, right? Around this city of New York, it's full of houses of worship. It's full of them everywhere, all kinds of, all kinds of varieties. That's the houses of worship. Then, in the spiritual marketplace, you have uh, not so much the traditional way, but more the, uh, the, the path of spirituality, where it doesn't have such a fixed form, but it's all about connecting, connecting with the energies, and so on. There are so many, so many ways, but ultimately, um, ultimately, we find the truth. Uh, we find the truth uh, to be deeper than just relating to spiritual energies. Uh, yes, there are all kinds of energies. Uh, we spoke about the material energy. And it said that this material energy rests on spiritual energy. Brahmanapatistaham. Everything rests on Brahman, on the spiritual energy. Yes, everything. Everything is origin in there. But just relating to that underlying spiritual energy is not enough. Bhagavad Gita states, Brahma Bhutta Prasanatmana Kangsati Nasusati Sama Sarvasi Bhutti Sumat Bhaktim Labate Param. It is said if you reach the state where you truly realize that everything is actually resting on spirit and that it is actually about spirit and not about all the material variety, when you really know that, then you become prasanatma, satisfied within the self, greatly satisfied. No more hankering, no more lamenting. But that is not enough. Because it's not only about the energy. It is also about the personal feature of the Supreme Lord. Not only is there divine energy, but there is also divine personality. We have personality, 
Right? We have it. Everyone, everyone is a different personality. Every, even animals have their own personality. Even plants, every flower is unique. Everything has personality. And so, when we see that the creation is filled with personality, then do we really think the Creator has no personality? Uh, look at ourselves. Look at a car. Have you ever looked at a car? Okay. Now look at a car, how it resembles human beings. Think about it. It has, it has an opening for putting fuel. Yeah? Okay. It also has an exhaust pipe. Yeah? It has, it has a tank, you know. Yeah? It's like, it has veins for the juice of life. Right? Petrol. It has wiring, a nerve system. It has, it has a nose and it has like kind of two eyes. See how much a car resembles a human being? Because it's created by human beings for human beings. So, if we see the creation of the Supreme Lord and we see everywhere within the creation of the Lord personality, then we should know that the Supreme Lord is not only energy, as some might say. No. The energy, the spiritual energy is one of his, it's his energy, one of his energies. But he also has a personality. And, but what kind of personality? Yes, obviously, a perfect personality. Huh? It's like, if I was God, I wouldn't have glasses. I would throw them away. Because, do you know what a nuisance it is to have glasses? Yeah? It is, they're always dirty. They're always something. And you look over them, you look under them, you look next to them. Right? Your whole vision is reduced to two little windows on your nose. You know, it's really annoying, actually. Then the thing leaves marks on your nose and what not. Glasses, you know. In the morning, I can't find my glasses because I need my glasses to find my glasses. <laughs> it's too much. Right? If I was God, I would get rid of them straight away. There would be a lot of things I would fix if I was God. Um, so it's quite obvious that I'm not. Right? That's quite clear. I'm definitely not God. That's quite obvious. Uh, once, here in a park in New York, I met, I met God. At least that's what he said. He said he was. Um, he smiled. He had a tooth missing. <laughs> and then, anyway, I said, it's amazing, God, that I'm meeting you today here on this park bench because I've given my whole life living like, like a life in a temple and today I'm meeting God. That's amazing. I never thought it would happen, but it happened that day. I said, but you know, I still, although you showed yourself to me, I still have a little doubt. 
He said, why? I said, well, maybe you can give me some sign. Maybe you can, you can show to me that you are God. He says, all right, what would you want? I said, well, it's quite hot here. Could you make the trees a little taller? Just on the other side, so we have some shade. He said, what makes you think that God can do that? I said, well, isn't God almighty? He said, that's your definition. I said, then what is your definition of God? That he is a toothless man sitting on a park bench? <laughs> then what is the point? Then everyone can be God. But what's the point of being God in that way? No. God indeed is all-powerful. God indeed is all-beautiful. God indeed has all strengths. God indeed has all knowledge. God, he has all attributes, all fame. But one more thing. Although he has everything, he is also completely renounced. He's not attached to any of these things. His beauty is the beauty of his true nature. It's not makeup. It's not a facade. His beauty is the beauty of his true personality. And therefore, the Supreme Lord, it is said, his quality is that he's all attractive. All attractive. And that's what it's about. All attractive means that when we get involved with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that He can satisfy our endless desires. Mm. And how does it begin? As it began here in New York, it begins by transcendental sound. And first, the heart is purified, withdrawn from all these material things, because right now, we have invested all our energy in material relationships with so many things, so many people, so many places, so much money, so much things. Each time you lock away some money, you lock away a piece of your mind. You lock your car. You've locked a bit of your mind in that car. You've locked the door of your house. You've locked a bit of your mind in the house. Our consciousness is now absorbed in material things. But when our consciousness actually becomes connected to the Supreme Lord, then, uh, then we become fulfilled. And it's easy because we can take material things and connect them with the Supreme Lord. This is something. So it's not difficult. Uh, we do not need to turn away from the world and give up. Give up everything. And now, go live somewhere in the jungle, in a forest, in a hut, and give up the world, or in a cave. Not needed. Not needed. We can simply take the things of the world and offer them to the Supreme Lord. Now the Supreme Lord says what things are offerable and what things are not offerable in Scripture. Because he's a person, he has preferences. So he expresses his preferences. 
He says, what can be offered? And so we can take the things of the world and, and offer them to the Supreme Lord. We connect them with the Lord and suddenly they start to purify us. These same things that sucked us in and that captured us and distracted us, these same things now connected to the Lord. Huh. Now they liberate us. So we can live a natural life. We can stay at home. No need. No need to, to, to go live in, in, a, in a cottage. Stay at home. You have a palace, stay in the palace. No problem. But worship Krishna in the palace. Use your palace for Krishna. Right? If you have a palace, but if you don't want the palace anymore, you can donate it to us. <laughs> and we will take care for Krishna. That's also okay. Yeah, no problem. Yes. Um, but yes, your palace, really, your ho our home, it belongs to Krishna. Krishna is the proprietor, we are the caretaker. And living like this, gradually we realize everything belongs to Him. And we are caretakers of His interest in this world. And anyone who lives alive as a caretaker of Krishna's interest in this world becomes blissful, becomes surcharged with spiritual energy. And suddenly, an agent of Krishna, an angel, you could say, yeah? you know, an, an agent of Krishna, suddenly, uh, the energy of Krishna comes to that person because that person is, is doing everything for Krishna, Krishna's interest. Ah, that is a really nice way to live. That is the message of the Bhagavad Gita. Ah, that we are eternal spirit souls in a material body. That the Supreme Lord is a person. And that we are the eternal servants of that Supreme Person. And that that is the most blissful thing. This is the secret of the Bhagavad Gita. Rajavijam Rajaguyam Pavitram Idamotamam. This is the supreme secret. Manmana Bhavamant Bhakto Majajimam Namaskaru. Just surrender to Krishna. Give everything to Krishna. See him as the proprietor and be his servant. So this is a the purpose of this temple. Um, this temple is not just for a Sunday prayer. This temple is not to just put a donation in the box. Of course you should put a donation in the box. But otherwise how can it be maintained? And not a small one, a big one. <laughs> of course. And if it doesn't fit in the box, talk to me. And, <laughs> And that palace, okay, we can talk about that also. Yes. So, or your phone, whatever you want to offer, we'll, we'll accept in kind also. Yes. So please be kind and give in kind. You can leave your car and give the keys to me. Uh, that's all fine. We will drop you off at home. We're not that bad. We'll arrange. And so in this way, the more we, we connect everything to Krishna, 
the more life becomes magic. Then, no more loneliness. Then, no more depression. No more fear. Then, no more anxiety. Uh, all these things disappear. All these, dis all these things disappear. Uh, because we know we are properly connected to Krishna. The connection is wide open. So what have we got to worry? Those who give their life to Krishna, they have nothing to worry at all. Krishna will always be there. He will protect them. Uh, so in this way, most fortunate we are when we are giving our life to Krishna. And that is the idea of, um, of the Gita, of our program today. Um, so we thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening to me. Um, I, I left five minutes for a question from your side. And if there's someone uh, who would like to now uh, ask a question, you are very welcome. Mm -hmm. People are going down to be first in the queue. <laughs> what did you say? Can you say it again? Does Krishna interfere with nature? Krishna is... Nature is his arrangement. Maya jakshena prakite suyate satcharachara. Nature is already going on under his direction. So, therefore, uh, but nature is sort of also like a machine. It's going on an automatic pilot, right? As we all see. The seasons are coming at regular times, supposedly, and, and so on. You know, we're going out of summer now. And this is all going on by laws, as we see nature. So, we can see that Krishna has set up nature as one of his energies and it is just operating on its own like a big machine. So most of the time he lets nature uh, go by its own course, although he provides the energy for it, but he lets it go by its own program. But sometimes he interferes if he so desires. He does so, especially, especially when he sees in one living being a particular spark, a spark of interest in the truth, a spark of interest in, in the real goal of life. Then he becomes attracted and he becomes, and he begins to make arrangements, arrangements in one's life. Huh? I can give an example. In my life, well, you know, um, somehow or other, uh, I had a friend who became involved with, uh, with Hare Krishna. Now, I thought it was a bit much. Right? And I wasn't really ready for something like that. Although I was interested in spiritual life and spiritual knowledge, I had read many books and things and I was really looking, but I wasn't ready. I saw the Hare Krishnas, 
but I avoided them like anything. I always avoided them. I kept us a distance. And so what happened? Instead of becoming a, a monk, I became involved with a girl. Right? Then I had this, this girl, became my girlfriend, and she had a dog. Right? And you know what the name was of the dog? Krishna. <laughs> For some reason, she had named her dog Krishna. So then I had a dog named Krishna at night. I was walking with this dog named Krishna, rocking around the, the block. And this dog didn't want to go back home, right? Because, you know, it knew, like, we're going just around the block. So then, then I was calling the dog. And it would very loudly go around the block, calling, Krishna! Krishna! Every night I was doing Harinam. <laughs> around the block <laughs> and that's how it all happened that's how it happened so it, that was definitely an intervention i can very much see you know how he arranged it he interfered with nature and yeah nature is his energy and he's behind it so god is more than nature Nature is the energy of God. And God, as the person, is behind nature. So yes, he does interfere when he wants. When he, and, and he has a soft heart. When he's attracted to those who are turning to him. Or when someone has an inclination, but at the same time is stubborn, you know, is mixed. You know, it is, on the one hand, you want spirituality, and on the other hand, you just try to avoid it. Then he will interfere and make arrangements. Yes. Yes. He's a person. He can do things, and he will do things in our life. Thank you for your question. Merci beaucoup. Hare Krishna. Shri Radha Govinda Ki Jai Shri Prabhupada Ki